When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, and happy Football Friday as week two approaches and the Giants get ready to take on the Dallas Cowboys down at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. This, of course, is episode 133 of the Talk is Cheap podcast. I'm Matt Lombardo with Ryan Dunleavy. As always, we cover the Giants for NJ.com. And before we dive into this matchup, uh, we'd love if you would give us a five-star review in iTunes and Apple Podcast. Check us out in Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Uh, Ryan, your initial thoughts leading into this big game between NFC East rivals and looking to avoid starting 0-2, which has been doomsday for NFL teams looking to make the playoffs when you fall to that uh, slow start to start a season. Yeah, that's it. I think that you took my initial thought, which was if you go 0-2, the odds are stacked against you. I think only 10 of the last 93 teams, I think I saw that stat somewhere, that started 0-2 made the playoffs. Uh, The Giants are no strangers to 0-1. I think they've started 0-1 every single season since 2012. Um, So that uh, they're in a familiar spot and they're going to Dallas early in the season, which is another familiar spot. Usually week one. Now it's week two. Uh, these are two teams that if you want to be in the NFC playoffs, you're probably going to have to come in second in the NFC East to the Eagles. And if you're going to come in second, you're, you know, there you're going to be fighting with the Packers and the um, 49ers and the bears. Uh, yeah, the bear, you like the bears more than I do, but the Falcons and the saints and the Panthers. So you're going to need more than second place. You're probably going to need 10 and six. And the winner of these two giants Cowboys games is going to obviously have the upper hand. Yep, and I look at this game going into it, and I just think, Ryan, right now, going into week two with how banged up the Cowboys are, and we'll get to the Giants' injuries in a little bit here, I think the Giants are the more talented football team, particularly on offense, with what we saw out of Saquon Barkley. He rushed for over 100 yards, first 100-yard rusher the Jaguars have surrendered since 2016, scored a touchdown in his debut. Odell Beckham Jr. seemed to check all the boxes last week, and it's going to come down on Sunday night to two things. On offense, it's Eli Manning being able to connect not just with Barkley on the short and intermediate routes and get him the ball in space, but with Beckham over the top where they had some missed opportunities, which we touched on earlier in the week. And on defense, it's about taking away Ezekiel Elliott. Look, he was held to under 100 yards, only 69 rushing yards last week, but he did score a touchdown against the Panthers in a losing cause. Landon Collins threw down the gauntlet and said that if you take away Ezekiel Elliott and make Dak Prescott beat you, chances are you're going to win the game. 
game, but Dak didn't exactly appreciate those comments uh, uh, from a guy who was a rival dating back to his time at Mississippi State and Collins' time at Alabama. They meet again in the NFC East opener this week. Yeah, Prescott said challenge accepted. And if you're a fan of How I Met Your Mother, the television sitcom, I loved that show. Uh, Barney Stinson, Neil Patrick Harris, that was kind of his catchphrase. So I can't hear uh, challenge accepted without thinking that. But uh, Prescott took it as a challenge. I don't know if Collins meant it as a challenge. Here's what I like about Landon Collins. He says what everyone else is thinking. And everyone around the NFL knows that that's what, how you play the Cowboys, at least until they find new weapons to replace Jason Winton and Des Bryant. You take away, um, you take away Ezekiel Elliott and you make uh, Dak Prescott beat you because the two guys he's thrown to through the first two years of his career aren't there anymore. And Coles Beasley isn't exactly scaring anybody, except, especially going up against a corner like Janoris Jenkins. So uh, I don't think that Landon Collins set broke any new ground there, but Prescott certainly didn't like hearing what everybody else is saying. Yep, and I'm inclined to agree with Collins that if you make this Cowboys offense one-dimensional and you take away Ezekiel Elliott and you get a lead early, that's, that's going to mean jumping out 7 nothing, 10 nothing early on and making the Cowboys throw, I like the Giants' chances on defense with a healthy Janoris Jenkins. Eli Apple showed some positive things in the opener against the Jaguars. You can create some turnovers and, and make the you know force some mistakes from Prescott and the Cowboys' offense through the air. Um, the challenge, and I wrote about this on Friday morning for the site, the challenge is generating that pressure without blitzing Dak Prescott. He was sacked six times by the Panthers last week, looked really uncomfortable in the pocket. Pat Shermer and James Betcher both talked about it's not just the sacks this week that matter. It's about generating consistent, relentless pressure and making Prescott feel uncomfortable. And, and that's really magnified by the fact, Ryan, that last year, Prescott, according to Pro Football Focus, was the most efficient passer in the NFL with a rating of 101.9 against the Blitz. That means that B.J. Hill is going to have to win his Good matchup bat. up front. You're going to have to have Dalvin Tomlinson win his battle up front. You're going to have to get A-gap pressure from Damon Harrison because I think as soon as you start bringing those extra Blitzers, you open yourself up to maybe Elliott making some plays in the passing game and helping boost that rating for Prescott even more against the Blitz. Yeah, look, I think we saw one of we've been harping on this all offseason. One of the Giants' struggles is going to be covering running backs in the passing game. If uh, they're blitzing and Elliott can leak out and, you know, catch a screen or a swing pass or something, that's going to be trouble. I think Leonard Fournette had three catches for 14 yards in the first half against the Giants, then he got injured, and TJ Yeldon ends up catching a touchdown pass. Um, so I think that's going to be a problem for the Giants. I just asked linebacker coach Bill McGovern about it. He basically didn't answer the question. So uh, it's certainly something I think that the Giants have to be concerned about early in this uh, season as not just Zeke, but, you know, Alvin Kamara and a bunch of other type uh, really good running backs line up for the first half of the schedule. Yep, and the challenge for the, the Giants is to get that push against one of, if not the premier offensive line in the league, Tyron Smith all the way over to Leal Collins at right tackle. Uh, rookie Connor Williams has done a nice job so far. And the one area, and the we guy I on thought this, the Giants should have picked, Connor yeah. Williams. 
Yep, yep. I, I liked him a lot coming out of Texas as well, and he had a little bit of an injury there that caused him to fall further than some initially anticipated, but I think he would have looked great in Giants blue. But one way where the Giants can create that pressure is you put Connor Barwin with his hand on the turf. You put Kareem Martin with his hand on the turf. You talked about it. You called it the Grand Prix package with yeah. four linebackers yeah, with their hand on the dirt. As you, What we talked about on the podcast, I read it. You've been all over this. <laughs> I, I think that on Sunday night in front of a national audience, maybe you generate some acclaim if you're able to get that Grand Prix pa- package in Prescott's face yeah. early and get it in his face often. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and that, for anybody who doesn't know, the Giants had a NASCAR package in like 07 and 11 where they used all defensive ends and swapped out their defensive tackles to get more of a pass rush. Well, this Sunday, this past Sunday against the Jaguars, the Giants did uh, kind of an unusual look where they took most of their defensive linemen out of the game and just went with linebackers and safeties with Landon Collins in the box and went with kind of a smaller speed look. I don't know. I'll be interested to see if that works against the Cowboys, Matt, because the Cowboys have so many just mammoth offensive lineman. I don't know if that'll work. Yep. And some of the key matchups that could go either way here. The one where I think is going to go a long way towards determining just how explosive the Giants offense has a chance to be. And and I think they put up a big number in terms of yards and points because I was encouraged by what I saw from the running game late with Barkley against the Jaguars. And I don't think the secondary for the Cowboys uh, is as dominant on the outside as the Jaguars was. But the matchup that's going to determine whether or not the offense takes flight is Eric Flowers against Demarcus Lawrence. And look, Lawrence traditionally plays left defensive end, but I have a feeling that the Cowboys are going to follow suit and put their best pass rusher, which is Demarcus Lawrence, opposite Eric Flowers. He's a guy who has 36 and a half sacks over the last three seasons. Uh, You look at at Flowers the first week, he had the tripping call on the first play from scrimmage for the Giants, called for a hold, gave up a sack, gave up six and a half sacks last season until he proves that he can win a one-on-one battle against an elite pass rusher. Ryan, I think the Giants don't have a choice but to plant Red Ellison as an inline blocker and, and, and double team Lawrence if you have any chance of keeping that right side uh, from from really wreaking havoc on Eli Manning and also the run game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I never – the first thing I noticed on that pick six was that Red Ellison was on the field but on the other side, and I still can't really wrap my head around why you would have Ellison next to Nate Solder, your billion-dollar offensive lineman, and – you have him and have the play go the opposite direction from where you had the tight end and the better tackle. So, uh, yeah, I think that that now look, Jeff Schwartz and fairness to flowers. I asked Jeff Schwartz, the serious analyst and former giants offensive lineman to break down that play for me. He said, flowers did everything right on that play. I played it as you're supposed to play it. It's just, you know, they giants put him in a pickle there and it did. And the and the Jaguars took advantage of it. You expect the Cowboys to do some more things to bait flowers and make him make some quick thinking adjustments. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think, uh, the best way to go about it is probably to chip uh, Lawrence and with either Barkley coming out of the backfield or with Ingram or Ellison, but let's call it what it is. If you're chipping those guys and not sending them out in pass routes or if you're chipping them and sending them out in delayed pass r- routes, you're not using them to their eff- full effectiveness. I mean, Barkley's a good pass blocker, but he's a better pass receiver. Ingram's an average to below average blocker, and he's a very good receiver. I know he had a couple drops, but that's the strength of his game. So if you're going to have them in as blockers, you're taken away from your offense. 
Totally agree. And um, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I think there's a chance that we see a lot more Shane Smith at fullback this week um, just to free up Barkley to be a pass catcher on swing routes and and screen passes. So you can put the fullback in there to chip on that right-hand side. And Demarcus Lawrence got off to a fast start last week. He picked up a sack against Cam Newton, who's obviously a far more mobile quarterback than Eli Manning is at this stage of his career. So that's a matchup with his explosiveness and his speed off the first step. I think that could give Eric Flowers some trouble. And yeah, you flip the script here and you look at the Giants defense. This game's going to be one and lost. We touched on it a little bit earlier. It's going to be one and lost by how well the Giants front seven does against the Cowboys offensive line. And that starts against the run. It starts against Ezekiel Elliott. And like we said, Elliott last week uh, was held under 100 yards. He still scored a touchdown. And I think that the Giants, um, depending on what the offense is able to do and how effective the offensive line is, I think they'd rather give up the yards than give up the touchdown against LA because, you know, that that's just more points on the board. Yeah, exactly. Yep. A lot of interesting matchups, I think, within this uh, matchups within the matchup, so to speak. And uh, the Lawrence Flowers one, I think, is number one. Yep. And Elliot last year against the against the Giants uh, didn't play in the second game. He was serving that six game suspension. Uh, but the opener, 24 carries, 104 yards. So he got those those yards, but he didn't find the end zone. So we'll see if Landon Collins's prediction uh, will hold true here. I'm a little bit worried, though, Ryan, about the Giants run defense, given the fact that before Leonard Fournette got hurt in week one, before he left in the first half with that hamstring injury, he was averaging nearly four point nine yards per attempt he was gashing them up front and Blake Bortles also got loose on a a defensive breakdown on a 41 yard scramble Giants run defense is going to have to come to play on Sunday night if they have any chance of winning this game correct and that's not just this game that's all season I mean if the Giants can't stop the run that's supposed to be the strength of this defense I mean it's funny Eli Apple actually played better than I think most people thought I thought he was one of the best Giants on the field and the run defense actually especially when Fournette was in I thought didn't play as well as I expected it was a little a little different than I thought but let's as we said earlier this week you got to take everything with a grain of salt from week one because it was probably the best offense excuse me the best defense the Giants will face all year and probably the worst offense the Giants will face all year and probably the best cornerback that's going to line up opposite of Odell Beckham Jr. this year is Jalen Ramsey. He's one of the top two or three cornerbacks in the league, and you saw what Beckham did last week, 111 yards on 15 targets. Uh, this week, he's probably going to line up against Jadobia Woozy, the second-round cornerback out of Colorado. It's his second year. Uh, he was a rookie last year, did some nice things. He's a physical cornerback, has you know adequate size at the NFL level. Uh, but I think this is a big game for Odell. I, I think that when you can have that kind of performance against Ramsey and you line up against a guy who's a little bit less experienced. They've never lined up against each other before because, of course, Odell got hurt in the before the opener last season, uh, shattered his ankle in week five, didn't play against the Cowboys, didn't play against a woozy the second time around. But I don't think there's going to be a volume drop off. I think you could see Odell Beckham targeted for between 12 and 20 attempts. And if he hauls in 12 to 15 catches, puts up over 125 yards, maybe scores a touchdown, uh, getting him going is really going to open up the rest of this offense for the Giants. Yeah, some of the other Giants beat writers uh, give them credit. They dug it up. They us that um, that the Giants are seven and thirteen. I think it is when Beckham goes for over a hundred yards in his career. That can't be. 
that can't continue. I mean, if you're getting that kind of production out of him, you look at what A.J. Green did for the Bengals the other night. They win the game basically just because of him. Beckham's that kind of talent. So if the, he's putting up those kind of numbers, the Giants need to do, be, to do better. I mean, the offense, I remember watching that season opener last year against the Cowboys. And without Beckham, the Giants couldn't even move the ball. And that's when they had a healthy offensive line, too, last season. So uh, this offensive line, to me, has... Uh, ways to go just to catch up to the season opening starting line uh, offensive line the Giants had last year forget the one they finished the season with uh, so I think that you, you know it having Beckham in the game I think will show you just how different the offense can be I, I don't think we saw quite as much last week because Beckham had that had more 10 and 15 yard kind of catches more dump offs when Manning was under pressure uh, I don't they're think they're gonna that... have to connect on one of those deep balls so the one that That's everybody talks about is where where Beckham kind of got rubbed off the route at about the five-yard line, but still had beaten the entire Jaguar defense by about three steps in the back of the end zone and Manning overthrew him. You need to start connecting on those. And and whether that's a lack of timing from not playing in the preseason, um, th- that excuse is starting to get a little bit tired now that you yeah, have two weeks of regular season practices. This will be their second game. Career against the Cowboys, Odell has 31 catches for 426 yards and five touchdowns. If he finds the end zone and can connects on an X player too. It's going to really help this offense because I think that continues to open things up underneath for Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. Yep. And uh, I think you mentioned I, the Giants drew up a lot of plays for Barkley and Beckham. Uh, you can't go wrong with that, but I'd certainly like to see them get Shepard and Ingram a little bit more involved before the end of the game. I agree, but I do think the one area where they could serve themselves to involve Saquon Barkley a little bit more is in the passing game. He was only targeted six times through the air. All of those targets came in the second half. And if the offensive line continues to struggle and if Lawrence is beating Flowers off the edge, and I remember last week ESPN Stats and Information had a stat, Ryan, that in four of Barkley's first eight carries in the first half, he was hit behind the line of scrimmage and averaged negative 1.4 yards before contact if that happens again you have to get him the ball in the open field and I don't know that there's a linebacker in the league that can keep pace with him one-on-one in the passing game I'd like to see them target Barkley a little bit more early through the air I'd like to see Ingram targeted a little bit more early um, because that just opens up the playbook and if you start to hit on some of those swing patterns or those dump offs now the safeties have to respect it creep up towards the line of scrimmage and that would that's when you can go over the top to Odell Yep, exactly. And Manning's and really it comes down to Manning's got to hit him. I mean, that's it's really that's it's really that simple. Manning's got to hit the short pass. He's never been a great screen quarterback. He's got to hit the screens to Man- to Barkley. I wrote a pretty in-depth piece this week where Kurt Warner and I broke down kind of Manning's uh, fit for this Shermer offense because Manning's more of a deep shot uh, quarterback and Shermer's more of a high completion percentage guy and Manning started 11 of 11 and still found his way to 62% in the game. So uh, that's probably not going to be good enough most games for the Giants. I totally agree. And one area where and this is where the injury report for this week kind of comes into play where I think the Giants uh, need to find a way to generate pressure is in the absence of Olivier Vernon. And Vernon didn't practice all this week. We saw him doing some side work on um, Wednesday and Thursday. He was wearing a hoodie, didn't even stretch with his teammates on Friday. Uh, So it's looking less and less likely that Olivier Vernon is going to dress on Sunday night. And this is a key matchup, Ryan, that I'd love to get your thoughts on. 
the Giants' edge rushers against that Cowboys' offensive line? Who do you like there, and how do you see it playing out? Yeah, I like the Cowboys' offensive line. Uh, I understand the Giants fell at the feet of Blake Bortles quite a bit. They were maybe a split second late, but that's still a split second late, and that's all it takes in the NFL. They only got one sack. Pat Shermer said this week that you know sacks are kind of an overrated stat. I couldn't disagree more. It's not just about pressure and knockdowns. It's about lost yardage. So I give the edge to the Cowboys offensive line against the Giants defensive line, just like I'd give the edge to the Cowboys offensive line against most defensive lines. Yep. And uh, another defensive matchup that I think is going to uh, not necessarily determine the outcome of the game, but it's going to be a critical one to watch. That's nickel cornerback BW Webb against Cowboys wide receiver Cole Beasley. Uh, We touched on it earlier, Ryan, and you brought it up. Uh, No Des Bryant, no Jason Witten. This offense is going to look a lot different. And I think the Cowboys have done a really terrible job of building around Dak Prescott. You take away two of his most reliable and dangerous weapons. You don't really replace them. Uh, that's that's really puts a quarterback in a really tough spot heading into his third year. Uh, Beasley last week, seven passes for 73 yards. Um, B.W. Webb is a guy who won that job almost by default. The Giants didn't really um, bring, bring in that many quality options. They tried. William Gay during training camp in that spot before moving him to safety. Leonard Johnson is a veteran they brought in, didn't wind up making the 53-man roster. I kind of like Beasley's chance here. Don't forget maybe the best cornerback in the whole NFC East, uh, Sam Beal. Uh, who, who got in, who the caged got, lion? The caged lion who got injured uh, in the first day of training camp. He probably would have been. I mean, it's can't say probably. He he certainly would have been in that competition to be the nickel back too. Yeah, I think Beasley has a chance to put up some numbers. I don't know that he, you know, score, you know, post a hundred yards receiving, but I think he has a pretty solid game against Webb. Um, but that again is all dependent on the pass rush. Yeah, exactly. And I look, I think Beasley will probably win that matchup, but I think the Giants will probably win the outside corner matchups. I think Jenkins and I expect big games again from Jenkins. Assuming he plays, we don't we still don't know much as we sit here on Friday afternoon about uh, Jenkins family situation. We know he was back at practice today, which is a good sign after leaving on Thursday. So assuming he plays and Apple plays, I think they'll win those matchups. But I think Beasley will probably win the inside matchup. The final matchup that I think has a strong bearing on the outcome, especially for the offense, and it's actually one of my X factors, Ryan, is John Jalapio against Tyron Crawford. And Crawford is a guy that um, does a nice job. of. You you really like the trenches, Matt. I like that. You you love to get into like center and guard play. Yeah, I'm I'm more of a finesse. Like if I played, I'd be like a wide receiver or cornerback. Like, uh, you know, I I like, you know, throw me the ball a couple times a game. Otherwise, leave me alone. My my very limited uh, playing career ended in Pop Warner when I was a blocking tight end. Uh, Not not very reliable as a pass catcher. But man, if you tried to blitz off the edge, I was going to knock you (laughs) on your ass. That was uh, that was that was me back in. Ninety count, buddy. The Giants could use you. Yeah, all, all six foot three, two hundred of me. Right? Throw me out there, and we'll see what we could do. Um, but, but I kind of like this matchup because of just what we saw 
in terms of the A-gap pressure generated last week by the Jaguars and the fact that Barkley was hit behind the line of scrimmage, Eli Manning was facing, you know, solid pressure right in his face almost from get-go. Jalapio graded out really well according to Pro Football Focus. I think he needs another big game if this offense has any chance to get going because, look, we all know Saquon Barkley's a home run hitter. We all know that there could be a 50, 60, even 70-yard run looming, but if he's getting hit behind the line of scrimmage over and over and over again if there's pressure being uh you know provided by Crawford up the middle it's not going to bode well for Eli I think it's a matchup where the Giants have to win it and Alapio needs to put together another solid game yeah that's a good one I think here's what I think this game boils down to and we just did like a you know 25 35 minute podcast here's what I think the match boils down to the Giants have better skill position players on both sides of the ball and the Cowboys are better in the big you know the big bodies if the game is won on the outside of the field, the perimeter, the Giants are going to win. And if the game's won in the trenches, the Cowboys are going to win. It's a great point. I mean, it's, it, that's a really, uh, you know, boiling it down. That's some really solid analysis because I agree with you. I think that the, the, the offensive line for the Cowboys is something that the Giants are going to have to figure out a way to beat. It's that simple. And I, I don't think that blitzing Prescott is the answer. And I think you're going to see a lot of Landon Collins in that hybrid money backer role up near the line of scrimmage. You're going to see a lot more single high safety with Michael Thomas. I think Giants are good enough on the outside to take away a Cole Beasley and the rest of the passing game from the Cowboys. Yep, that's it. Uh, so man, I, if it's a track, if it's a track meet, it favors the Giants. If it's a, uh, if it's in the trenches, it favors the Cowboys. So, so who do you have winning it? I have a track meet. I think the Giants win the game, maybe twenty-seven twenty. Uh, a couple of maybe both teams I see going on some of those long drives that frustratingly end in the red zone, and you end up kicking field goals. Uh, I don't expect much of a difference between these two teams. You know, I expect you know. Maybe Giants have the ball with two minutes left in a tie game and score. Or Cowboys have the ball with two minutes left down seven and don't score. I think the Giants just have too many playmakers for the Cowboys. Uh, this Cowboys team right now is they still try to figure out their identity. We mentioned Witten and Bryant. This is the stat that blows me away, Matt. The Cowboys have an illustrious history, right? We're not talking about the history of the Jaguars or the history of the Texans or whatever. The history of the Cowboys is illustrious. And Bitten is number one all time in franchise history and catches. Bryant is number three in franchise history and all time and catches. Number two is a guy named Michael Irvin. You might have heard of him. So um, I just think that as the Cowboys try to figure out who they are offensively without those two guys, I think the Giants catch them early. Uh, right now, I'd say the Cowboys win the last game, uh, the regular season, when they figured their out. I picked the Cowboys to win that game. Uh, but right now in week two, I just think the Giants know who they are a little bit more than the Cowboys do. Yeah, I I also like the Giants to win. I picked 34 to 23 on the website. I think that the the, the Cowboys just blow don't out. have the firepower. A blowout. Oh, oh, 11 points, a blowout, sure. I think that, uh, yeah. you know, you're going to see some offensive fireworks. I do think that Eli Manning and Odell Beckham are going to connect this week only because I think the Cowboys secondary is a little bit more vulnerable. I think that you're going to see 125 on the ground from Saquon Barkley, maybe a touchdown. Uh, and I just think that the offense gets rolled this week and, and every everything you talked about from the lack of weapons around Dak Prescott 
to me are why the Cowboys are going to struggle. And I think the Cowboys could be a team that finishes this year six and ten, seven and nine, really takes a step back. And in a year where they really have to evaluate Dak, it's his third season, and you've seen his numbers degress from year one to year two. I think he has another regression this season, and they're going to have to do some soul searching. Is he the guy moving forward? And, and I think that that's almost unfair because they've done nothing to support him other than build an offensive line and get him a running back. They've taken away his best two targets, as you've talked about. And even on defense, outside of what they do in the front seven with Sean Lee and that defensive line, secondary has a lot of holes. They're vulnerable over the top. And I, I tend to agree with you. I think this could be a track meet. Yeah, let, I got I to gotta sum yeah, Assuming we're with predictions i want to throw something at you yep. steve steve politi our legendary columnist and i uh did something this week on i read it, uh, it was James. a lot of trash talk back and forth. a lot of trash talk yeah politi and i trash talk a bit and you know what it was i encourage people to read it if you're listening to this podcast because really it was what you it was what you as a listener and your buddy would do or two guys at a sports bar would do it started out as just kind of a text message between two buddies saying, do you think the Giants would be better right now, today, with Eli Manning or Sam Darnold, that quarterback? And I thought it was a no-brainer Manning, and Politi thought it was a no-brainer Darnold. I think it's a no-brainer for the future that it's Darnold, because Eli's 37 years old. But right now, today, 2018, are the Giants better with... Uh, Darnold or are they better with Manning? And obviously this is a question because right. Darnold looks so good in week one for the Jets and because the Giants passed on him in order to pick Barkley. Uh, so Matt, why don't you be the tiebreaker here? And no, I don't want you to feel any pressure because you and I sit next to each other every, yep. every single day. And because you and I, you know, we're friends. Uh, I don't want you to feel any pressure, you know, that you have to side with me instead of Politi, who you hardly know. Uh, don't worry about that. Don't put that out of out of your side, out of your mind. Don't feel influenced to pick me in any way. Who, who you got? <laughs> right, I'm going to flip the script on you here because it, it, everything you just said in terms of Sam Darnold making the Giants better in the future, I, I disagree with that just a bit because here's the thing. You're going to be in a position to be able to trade up to get a quarterback in the first round next year, or you're going to hand the keys over to Kyle Loretta, and you have a built-in, ready-made offense, which is why I think the Giants rightfully took Saquon Barkley at, at number two, to put him with Beckham and Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard to facilitate the next quarterback to step into a ready-made, high-powered offensive attack for the next decade. That, that When you have a once-in-a-generation type of talent at running back and he's the number one player in the entire draft you take him at number two with that said for this year for this week i think the giants are a better offense with eli manning in 20 <laughs> hold on hold on hold on i i, I messed up a better offense in 2018 with sam darnold ah! than eli manning. and they're better off in 2020 2021 and 2022 with saquon barkley Yes, but the question for this year, you uh, you, you I don't know this year. You have to, but you have to take Barkley off the team if you Correct. do that. Don't get Correct. both guys. And you Correct. still you say you say they're better off with Darnold and in the Dolman short or Darkwa or whoever than they are with Manning and Barkley. But, but, but in the long term, 2019 and beyond, I think you're better off with 
quarterback X and Saquon Barkley than you are in the long term with Sam Darnold and, and the cast of characters at running back here. Because I think Barkley is such a dynamic weapon in all phases of the game that he elevates the play of, of the quarterback moving forward. Yeah, I don't like what you did to me there, that that kind of tease where you said Manning at first and then you claimed to have a slip of the tongue and went with Darnold. I'm not, not yes. thrilled about that. But it's a great debate, and yeah. I know that people are going to blast me on Twitter and, and, and say that I'm overvaluing Barkley. Wait, people blast, people, people blast sports writers on Twitter? I, 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 I haven't seen it before, but I think this might elicit that reaction. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that Sam Darnold is going to do great things for the Jets. I just happen to believe that with this offense, with Barkley in place, it's going to make it that much uh, that much better for whoever the quarterback is in years two, three, four, five, six, and beyond of his career. Yeah, it's just getting a little late for me to say whoever the quarterback is. That was cool in like 2013. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a, if I, I don't know. To me, it's the quarterback in 2020 is probably going to be Eli Manning. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting debate, and it's one that I'm sure is going to follow both of these guys' careers because they share a stadium and they share uh, a market that doesn't really care about football or care about sports yeah. all that much. It's known no, for not, strong opinions yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, no, exactly. Yep. Uh, but Ryan, I'm looking forward to Sunday. We both agree the Giants win the game. And next week on Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll have a recap pod to break it all down. Um, and, and, and I think we're both in agreement here that this game is going to determine the trajectory of the rest of the season. It's not a must win. You don't have those in week two. But if you're one and one, uh, you feel pretty good about your chances moving forward. But if you're 0-2 in this division with what we saw the Redskins do last week and what the Eagles uh, once again showed the potential to do in week one, 0-2 is a pretty tough hole to dig out of. So this is a monster game on Sunday night. I'm really looking forward to it. Yep. There's a reason the Giants that NBC puts the game on Sunday night every single year. It is a huge game, huge rivalry. Uh, even the new look Giants, they only have like 18 players left from last year's season opener. The, the guys have said, don't worry, we still hate the it's the, we still hate the Cowboys. We understand the Giants hate the Cowboys. Alec Ogletree's never played in one of these games. He said, don't worry, we understand. So uh, I think the uh, bad blood will still boil over. And for the record, here I'm not sold on the Redskins like everybody else seems to be after week one. I, I still think this is the battle for second place in the division. I, I agree. I'm just saying that the Redskins looked better than I anticipated them looking in week one. They they were the train wreck uh, that I believe the Cowboys have become. That's what I anticipated them being. I thought the Redskins were going to be that train wreck, and they seem to have kept it on the tracks for at least one week. Yep. Interesting. We'll see who goes off the track Sunday night. He's Ryan Dunleavy. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at RY Dunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL on Twitter. Uh, again, if you like what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. It really helps the show. Ryan, appreciated this. Enjoyed it. I look forward to breaking down the game next week. Sounds good. He's Ryan Dunleavy. I'm Matt Lombardo. Enjoy the game. Enjoy Cowboys-Giants on Sunday night.